This is the OKC82 Podcast with Chisholm Holland and Brady Trantham on the Franchise Podcast Network. This is the OKC82 Podcast. Chisholm Holland, Brady Trantham with your weekly show here. We're going to talk about uh, Thunder basketball, maybe look around uh, the league as a whole. But Brady, it's been a minute since we've been together, man. It's fun to be back. Oh yeah, it's always fun to be back in your lovely, lovely home with, yes. with a headset and not like having to either hold a microphone like I do when I have to like do all the recording or sitting in Jake's studio when Madison yeah. and I do post game because it's 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 always off putting to talk about basketball and you've got like uh, Blake Shelton staring at you with like romantic eyes. Have you knocked over a guitar yet? I play that guitar in the corner that's like by itself. Okay. Um all the guitars that hang up except for one are terribly out of tune. Are like, they? Madison and I just kinda like strummed all of them. Like this one sucks, this one's in G, this one's in some drop D B S. This is all this is obviously unacceptable. We're in the weeds now. <laughs> uh, it's like four games in. If you listen to the All In podcast, you know that Chase Dewey, who is one of my buddies, has knocked the Casey Donahue guitar off the wall twice during recording. Oh, yeah, yeah. During um, recording, which is impressive. <laughs> How does that happen? He talks with his hands a lot. Oh, no. Well, I, I, uh, I was playing the guitar at the end of the show last night, and as soon as we logged off, I put, you know, held it up to put it down. And the head of the guitar, which if anyone from Jake is listening, they're probably going to be like, oh, they're going to be mortified. Yeah. They heard we knocked off the wall twice. The headstock of the guitar, like ran, I, I shoved it right into like those speakers that are right behind us. Oh, no. And I was like, oh, God damn. My bad. Nothing broke, though. No property damage. Okay. Uh, we need to get new strings on that guitar, by the way. Okay. We'll put that in, we'll put that in a work order right after we get everything <laughs> else that's broken fixed. <laughs> Well, Thunder uh, have started their season. I don't think you and I have talked since our first game. Yeah, uh, I think we did the last pot on Monday. And yeah. Then our first game against Utah was on Wednesday. So um, four games in, uh, we're almost to the uh, – does the NBA count like week one? Are we the halfway point of the year yet? Are we there yet? Yeah, Are almost. we there yet? Does the NBA – because I know they just released their Eastern Western Conference players of the week. Like, yeah. Do they count it the week as Sunday, Monday, or do they – I think they, they go liter- Sunday to Sunday. Okay, because the NBA season obviously started on Tuesday. Right. And it's now Tuesday, so... I think last night's game did not count. Okay, all right. If I understand the awards correctly, which is not always a guarantee. It's weird that there there are already four games into the season. Yeah. It's... 78 more, we're done. And... If you catch that, I was hinting at no playoffs. (laughs) This always happens. Like the last two years that I've covered the team, this always happens. It feels like, wow, they're they're already five or six, seven games into the season. Like this is going to... Fly boom, by. Boom, boom. Then you get to like game 30 or 40 and you realize, nope, yeah, <laughs> it is going to be a long season. Um, for Thunder fans specifically, it's going to be long unless you are just an absolute fan of they fought hard, there's hustle, they tried really hard. So much effort, Brady. The effort level is so high. So much effort. They only lost by six. They only lost by four. But hey, they kicked the Warriors' ass. I'm sure that was fun for everybody. They did kick the Warriors' ass. And then the Warriors came back and actually played like the Warriors a little bit the following night against, who is it, New Orleans? And all their mishaps. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, the Warriors kind of looked like their old selves, but I don't know if New Orleans is a great barometer, especially without Zion. Without Zion, they have Drew Holiday? No. Yeah, that's, eh. Yeah. They played the they played the B-team Lakers, is what you're <laughs> telling true. me. That's they true. <laughs> they played the lottery Lakers. That's exactly who they played. Um, but... Oklahoma City won at three. Uh, they only win comes against Golden State. I'm sure that was fun. I know that series or that rivalry isn't quite the same without Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in either team. Yeah, but it's still kind of fun. No, right? it, it's fun. Okay. And look, I um I threw Dylan Buckingham and Todd Lisenby under the bus, and for everybody out there that isn't in the market, Todd Lisenby and Dylan Buckingham they do a show on 107.7 um, from nine to noon. They do a great show, and they will have Desmond Mason. Well, they do a show. Yeah. <laughs> They uh they will do they have Desmond Mason on everybody probably remembers former Thunder player former Slam Dunk champion former Oklahoma State Cowboy on for the final hour and Desmond has kind of the reputation in the market as being a uh, a how, negative Nancy a negative Nancy and like it is what it is like he's obviously talented and I, I will say like I love that we are the only station in the market that has a former NBA player on it that exclusively talks about the NBA because that. That voice, that experience is invaluable. So I really appreciate Desmond whenever he, um, he was on the pregame show last night. He brought up a lot of good points about Russell Westbrook going up against the Thunder. Uh, there's no animosity 
between either party. Like we know that this isn't like a Kevin Durant Oklahoma City thing. But anytime you play your old team, you're going to go all out. Anytime you play your friends, like like Chisholm, you play pickup basketball. I play pickup basketball. Sometimes attempted pickup basketball. <laughs> but whenever you play like a good friend of yours, you're like going to go extra hard on them because you you know it's it's just sure. good nature and competitive na- um competitive fun. But they were on the show yesterday. Desmond came on and just immediately crapped on the Thunder fan base because y'all need to stop blowing this win out of proportion. The Warriors aren't the Warriors and the Thunder like this. They're not going to win every game by forty. They're not. Like, That's blah. true. I agree with that sentence. Who in their right mind? Who in their right mind thinks that the Thunder are going to be a a, a like if they make the playoffs? If they somehow make the playoffs, they are a seventh at best six seed, and that is if. Other teams deal with injuries. Everything falls the Thunder's way, and they go on like a hot 15-game winning streak randomly. Like so much has to happen for the Thunder to even make the playoffs. I just think it's incredibly unwise to just go on the radio and just boast about, oh, I talked to like two people, and they were they were way too excited for the Thunder to beat the Warriors. Everybody knows that this isn't the Golden State Warriors of the last few years. There's no Klay Thompson. There's obviously no Kevin Durant. It's just Steph Curry. D'Angelo Russell is eh. Draymond Green is terrible if he's your second best player. I think we've all had that same take. But it's still the Warriors. And this fan base had to go through hell. And it was all because of the Warriors. So forgive me if the fan, if I'm understanding that the fan base is going to be a little excited beating the crap out of them. I just think that it's unwise to go on the radio and just, I don't know, throw out this message that the entire fan base is uneducated and feels like this team is going to make the playoffs and they're all gonna, they're they're not ready to see what's actually going to happen. I feel like this fan base is educated enough to understand that, yeah, it's going to be a rebuilding year. Some guys might be traded, and when that happens, this team is going to be significantly worse. Um, but yeah, that's that's that that's my two cents on that show yesterday. Yeah, I think. The fan base is totally aware. That's also just discrediting, like, revenge. Like, uh, like, like, fans have animosity towards teams, and yeah. teams change. And, you know, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers the past two years, or past, not two years, but two the last two years that he was there, um, especially without Kyrie Irving, they were not a good team. But people still wanted to beat LeBron James. Yeah. And... I mean, there's just a part of that to it. And the fact that the Golden State Warriors have owned the league for the past four years, five years, I mean, teams are going to be excited to beat them. Case in point, Patrick Beverly talking trash to Steph Curry <laughs> in the game before they played Oklahoma City. The Clippers are a way better team than Golden State. Golden State really doesn't have a – I don't think they have a real title chance this year. The Clippers are the favorite. So why is Patrick Beverly talking down, quote-unquote, to the Golden State Warriors? Well, it's because Golden State's owned the league for five years. So. Yeah. By that message, then you should probably also have a problem with what Patrick Beverly was doing. Mm-hmm. And I would assume, and this is just my assumption, I've not talked to Des about it, I would assume that Des would like what Patrick Beverly was doing. And that's kind of yeah. the same thought process. Right? Am I wrong? I mean, I would I would hope so. I would I would agree with that. Um, I just think that it's silly to tell fans how they should act. I've never been that type of person to say, like, if, if I'm specifically asked, like, how would you feel, then I'll give my opinion. But... Um, if fans want to be excited about a win, great. If fans want to have the attitude of tank, 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 I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. I just think that it's silly to just focus on the two or three people that might annoy you, that might hate on you on Twitter, and pretend that that's the entire fan base. Because, like, I'm not a Thunder fan. Like, I, I it's peep, some people bring up on Twitter that I constantly bring that up, but it's for a point. Like, I'm not a Thunder fan, but... I want Oklahoma to do well. I want the state of Oklahoma to do well. And a lot of that has to do with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fan base having the understanding that, yeah, this team might win 30 games. This team might be lucky to win 35 or 36 games. They're still going to be competitive for the most part. They're still going to be rather fun to watch. Sure. But to sit there and just pretend that, oh, we beat the Warriors, or a fan told me that, oh, we beat the Warriors by 40 points. We're the, you know, like we're gonna make the playoffs. Like no, no one thinks that. Nobody is thinking that. the The Thunder four games in, they're one and three. Um, they're they were frankly, um, it very they were frankly kind of lucky to be like how they lost these games. Like they're all rather competitive. They all went down to the fourth quarter. 
Um, they all had their own little unique ways of how they sucked in each game, like the first quarter of Utah, the very last two minutes of the Washington game, um, the third quarter of last night's game against yeah. Houston. Um, it, 18 it, to a 39-point quarter is yeah, not good. Yeah, it is what it is. I think the fan base understands that. I just um, – I don't know. I'm going to fight that crusade really hard. Like I'll be very sensitive to people calling out the fan base for being overzealous, way too excited, whatever. Yeah. That's my fight this year. Yeah, and I think you're uh, rightfully so. But again, I think every single fan base is going to be excited when their team, if they do, beat the Warriors. I think every single one. Oh, hell yeah. And I think that's just a bad example because it's the Warriors. And everyone is aware that they don't have Klay Thompson, and everyone is aware that they don't have Kevin Durant. But it's still the team that's been, quote-unquote, running the league. So everyone is going to be excited to finally get their shots in on Golden State because not a whole lot of people have gotten their shots in. Hell, hell, not this isn't a very good example this year, but um, as a Miami Dolphins fan, I always... Yeah, this is going to be a tough relation. <laughs> I love when the Dolphins beat the Patriots, but it usually means nothing because the Dolphins are never really in contention for the AFC East, but it's always fun to beat Tom Brady. No, no, no. <laughs> they are never in contention. They, you said they... Hardly. Hardly. Or they, they are never in contention. They, they won the AFC East uh, the Brett Favre year when he played for the Jets. Chad Pennington. And it led to a first Wasn't round. Wasn't that the year Tom Brady was hurt? Yeah, it was. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be some of the... Historically... Context. His, historically, the Dolphins have given Tom Brady the most fits in the AFC East, which really isn't saying that much because it's Buffalo, the Jets, the Dolphins, and yeah. the Patriots. But historically, the Dolphins usually give him fits. But as soon as Jason Taylor retired that kind of went out the window yeah that's talking dolphins we mentioned jason taylor on the okc82 podcast congratulations <laughs> we've worked it in um so as far as oklahoma city going forward I, I said this last night on the air and i'm sure there's some fans who will disagree with me i think this has been the best case scenario for a start of a season because the expectations were so low and i i way too low people were talking about this team like they were going to win 20 games as presently constructed i mean they're they're way too talented to they're be the way Suns. Too yeah, and so they're going to win some games. Now, the question is, how long are they constructed this way? Mm -hmm. I mean, so we can have that conversation as we have all summer, but my overall point was this is going to be a fine basketball team. And the first four games, every single one of them, to your point, has been competitive, has been close, has been fun to watch, has had some stretches in each one of them where Oklahoma City has looked very good. There's been stretches where there's guys like uh, Shea Gillis-Alexander who will get fans excited because he looks very good. Mm -hmm. But then, sadly... He's 21. Well, they, <laughs> lo they lose the game. Yeah. And you can make the case that a fun basketball game that gives you some hope for the future, gives you something to talk about in the office the next morning, but ending up in a close loss is kind of the best-case scenario. Yeah, You're getting all the benefits of being a fan. It's enjoyable to go to the games, but you're also helping at that lottery pick. And you and I have talked in nauseam the fact that this team is not going to get better because of the Clippers' picks or the Houston's picks. Their superstar, their next superstar, is more than likely coming from one of their own picks. Yeah. So those need to be as low as possible. So, I, like I said, I think this might be the best case scenario for the start of a season. Yeah. Now, it, at some point, like if this is just how the if this is how ninety percent of the Thunder season goes, where they have like a quarter or two of phenomenal offensive defensive play, and then it kind of tapers off, and then it ends up being like a, a eight six four-point margin of loss at some point it's going to get on thunder fans nerves because like i asked the um the poll question still up on twitter right now for something i'm working on for the franchise okay.com but um at some point you just hate seeing your team lose even when you know that it's for probably a more the greater good yeah like process philadelphia 76ers fans hated seeing their teams lose they hated it on a night-to-night -night basis but they would probably to help themselves go to bed at night. Like, no, this is for the this is the process. Right. This, to try and draft another center that we will trade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we finally got Joel Embiid and we hit on him. But um, yeah, at some point it's going to hurt. But like, if you're going to watch this season, and I think fans understand this too, if you're going to watch this season, you hope that all these mistakes that they're making, and a lot of these mistakes are pretty common. They just can't quite get over the hump at the end of a game. And that's a common trait for a team with a bunch of young and experienced players. Um, you hope that guys make improvements and that you see steady improvement throughout the season. And we've seen, like, like the guy that I highlighted last night on Twitter is Hamadou Diallo. That guy has made so many improvements in just his body control and yeah. his touch around the rim. Now, 
he's still going to get called for his fair share of fouls because he is still kind of a wild whirling dervish when he has the ball in his hands, but he still has the ability to put the ball on the floor, which is more than I can say for another wing player who only took one shot last night. Um, you, you see improvements on an individual individual level, and as you see that over and over and over again, it's going to hopefully build back to a point where you can probably say, oh, the Thunder are going to be back to like their playoff continuing ways. Maybe not next year, but maybe even next year, because who knows? Who knows what the Thunder are able to do with the draft, with trades, um, and, you know, SGA, if he is able to keep this up, he's a, he's an all-star. Uh, Not in the Western uh, Conference, but he's a, he's an all-star. Oh, future all-star. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant this year. Oh, no, 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 not this, not this year. Um, next year is such a, I, I don't know. Cause I, I think a lot of people are like resigned to the fact that next year might even be worse. I don't know if SGA, Darius Baisley, Hamadou Diallo, um, if they keep Steven Adams, but even Steven Adams, like who, like. We, we can talk about him later in the show, too, because... Yeah. Here's what I will tell you. I think they might be worse next year. Because I've been going through this thing with Chicago where they have some young guys who you're like, oh, if those guys continue to accept forwards. Like Laurie Markin, and people are laughing because I said Chicago. But, I mean, seriously, Laurie Markin is talented. Wendell Carter is talented. Zach Levine is talented. Chris Dunn is talented. And you're like, well, if those guys continue to progress, they're going to win more games. And they haven't. And what I've come to realize is like, oh, yeah, yeah, You can't just assume that people will will. And there's improve. a huge gap between that guy's guy a great role player and that guy is a great a starter on a team and he's a superstar who's going to help you win 40 games. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're, and I think currently, as good as Shea has looked, and I said this before the summer, I wasn't convinced that he could be the number one guy on a championship team. I... I I'm I'm more convinced of that now. Now he could change my mind and he could play incredible down the stretch. I'm just saying I'm leaning a little bit more towards that direction. Is he a found is he a foundational piece? Is he a guy that you want to have around? Is he a guy who could win a championship? For sure. But could he be the guy? Could he buy could he be the Kevin Durant? Could he be the Kawhi Leonard? Could he be the LeBron James? I don't think so. I don't know I don't think that's where he is. Defensively? Headed. Is it because of his defense or No, I thought last night he played incredible defense. He's got his length helps him out a lot. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just don't see it. And maybe, and like I said, he could easily change my mind. He's he's 21 years old. He's played a season in four games. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving all the caveat in the world. He just strikes me as the number two or the number three guy on a team. That's like, oh, they're going to clearly win the title. Well, see, year. that's that's fine because Darius Baisley is going to be the number one. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Him and Hamid Diallo will carry the way. Uh, do you know where uh, currently Shea Gillis Alexander is in scoring in the league? Is he is he top six? No. Oh, no, no, no. Luca is sixth with 29.3. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's four games in. I mean, Trey Young, is he leading the league? Trey Young is second. Who's ahead of him? Kyrie Irving, 37.7. Oh, God. Did you, you forgot, see that story? You forgot he dropped a 50-burger yeah. uh, in the did, first game. Did you see that story? Are oh, we about al- his... Are we already doing His this? emotional swings? Absolutely. Good God. Shout out, shout out Jackie McMullen for just allowing the pot to I, continually yeah, stir. Yeah, I love you, Jackie. She's so good. Um... I, I, and this, hopefully, and that story wasn't. This happened two days ago. This was. This happened while they were on their way to China for the preseason. <laughs> and so, by my math, I just because I was curious, they entered training camp. They left for China two days later. So that team had been together for three days, and they were already like, "Oh, we might have made a mistake." <laughs> it wasn't even seventy-two hours. Oh my god! Look, anybody that has paid half-ass attention to the NBA over the last two seasons could probably tell you I don't know if Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant is the best combination to talent be in the wise same absolutely life. emotionally oh, not even close fantasy basketball if we're talking about fantasy basketball sure if we're talking about 2K, 2K is perfect 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 Kyrie Irving is weird yeah Kevin Durant is weird and you know what? I guess sometimes weird people can make a good combo but does this not feel like that? No. This okay. is this is Well, he's leading the league in scoring. Cool. Yeah. Uh Carl Anthony Towns is third, which I was shocked to notice this morning. I know I know Cat had played well, but in, instead of him playing well at this like I think you said it on a previous pod, instead of him playing well at the end of a season, like the second half of a season, and we're like, Oh man, Cat, like he's going into the next year, he's an MVP candidate, and he always sucks in the first half. Yeah. Maybe he's just he's gonna flip flopping. Flip flop. Or that. maybe this is the year that they get it figured out. Ryan Saunders is a good coach. Oh yeah, I think so too. I think he's a. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I like you can you can really see his his guys playing well in his system and giving maximum effort, and that's all you can really ask for in the NBA. Sure. Um, and if he does become something, I'll always know that the uh, trivia question for him is when did he get his first NBA? Uh, where did he get his first win as an NBA coach? At Oklahoma City. At Oklahoma City. Shout out uh, Andrew Wiggins for that. <laughs> uh, Shea Gills Alexander to answer the question is 16th in the league right now in scoring. And he's at what, 23 points per game? 23.8. Put some respect on that man. There you go. Uh, Shea Gills Alexander is also 16th in the league in shot attempts. So take for that for what you will. Yeah. Yeah, the efficiency is. I feel like for the most part he's going to become a rather efficient scorer. He's making nine baskets every game and taking 19 shots on average, which people will tell you that's not crazy efficient. It's not crazy efficient, but I feel like three point percentage is 37. I'll need to I'll need to dive into this, but like I said on the podcast with Madison last night, I don't really dive into numbers until like the 10 game mark. But I feel like shot attempts. I think you can look at though. How many how many field goals are they attempting? Well, like my question is, is where where is he missing the majority of his shots? I would probably assume just by watching the four games that he's missed the majority of his shots at the end of these games. Oh, you mean like down the stretch? Yeah, I thought you meant like where on the floor. You mean like where like the time of the game? Yeah, if he's missing like uh, of those nineteen shots, if if three of those misses came in the final two minutes, for the most part, it's like okay. Well, I feel like as he progresses in his NBA career, that's going to be cleaned up a little bit. Sure. It's clutch time. Like I talked to Darius Baisley in the locker room, um, Humble fo- brag. <laughs> following the uh, Wizards' loss, and I-, I was taken aback about how, like, they were all so excited. Like, wow, we we got to play in Chesapeake Energy Arena and like come back, tie the game, and get all that excitement, all that energy, that noise on our side for once. Because you know, a lot of these like. Darius has never played in the NBA. Shea Gillis Alexander played as a Clipper last year, so they got it on their side, and they were so disappointed that like we just we feel bad that we couldn't like get over the hump for the fans. Yeah. Um, it it really kind of brought the message back home that yeah, this is a definitely this is a different team, but um, they're going to clean that up. Maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but all these failures in crunch time, it's. Like we said, it's going to be for a better purpose, but uh, I, I feel like if I looked at his missed shots, I feel like a lot of them were probably going to be coming in the late fourth quarter, which doesn't concern me long-term. It concerns me now, of course, but it doesn't concern me long-term. Yeah, I think the other thing about Shea is he has done... Wow. <laughs> he has uh, He's done a good job at getting to the rim, and I think there's been stretches where he hasn't finished well. I don't think he's finished at the rim very well. Now, he has had some flashy finishes, yeah. which have shown up in Twitter videos. But I'm saying, if you look at the game as a whole, and it's because he's going at, like, I mean, he was going at Rudy Gobert in the Utah game. Yeah. Like, he was like, I'm going to try, and, which <laughs> yeah. is a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays <laughs> off. Um, and, I mean, so he's gone at centers. He's been trying to be aggressive. And I think that'll pay dividends up the road. Yeah. But I think he, he's kind of paying the price of missed shots right now. And he's also not getting whistles. No. And John Hamm pointed out on Twitter, and he was exactly right. Uh, he he went to the rim last night against Houston and got blatantly fou- fouled by Daniel House. They didn't call it, and they rewarded Houston on the other end with foul shots on basically the same you know take to the rim. It's sure, like, he's a second year player. He's going to get that call, and he's he's got to feel out the league. Like uh, Billy Donovan talks about it all the time with guys like Hami and Darius. Um, when you're talking about Hami, like yeah, he played last year, but he didn't play with this responsibility in this role. So he's going to have to get accustomed to defending guys that he didn't have to defend last year. He's going to have to figure out their tendencies. He's going to figure out what they can get away with, what he can get away with. Darius Baisley has to learn everything. You know, brand every guy he plays, defends, and goes up against on offense, brand new to him. So Shea's got to figure it out too. So like, yeah, I agree with you. Like going up against Rudy Gobert, is silly. Long term, it's probably for a it's it's for a better end end result. Yeah, I mean, and it's. I mean, it's every player who I think I don't know about you, but I think long term Shea. I mean, he's shot well from the three point line this year. He's obviously his mid range jumper. I thought has looked so much better than I was anticipating coming into the yeah. season. Um, but I think long term, his primary okay, what is he going to do really, really well? I think it's going to be getting to the rim. Like I think that's going to be his move. Now, can he do a little bit of everything? Absolutely. Um, shout out Darius Baisley, who just made a three. We're rewatching the game as we're doing this, <laughs> and Darius Baisley just hit that three. Uh, anyway, the only three he's made in this game. Um, anyway, but I think long-term, his primary offense is going to be getting to the rim. Now, is he going to do everything else? Yes, but I think that's going to be like his move. 
You know, it's crunch time. They need a bucket. What is Shea going to do? I think he's going to go to the rim. And because he's long, he's athletic, um, and he's crafty when he gets up there. So I think that makes sense for him to continue to work on that, to continue to take those shots. And The found, you, the foundation is there. Yeah, so you see players like this at a young age who struggle initially because it is different. Going up against Rudy Gobert is different. Um, you know, as the primary defender, is the guys he played in Kentucky and in high school, obviously. And so he's still kind of trying to play a little bit of a catch-up. What I like, though, is that he's not shying away from it. It's not like mm-hmm. he's gotten blocked a couple times and he just doesn't go in the lane the rest of the game. Yeah. He's still playing his game the full 48 minutes, which I enjoy. Yeah, and it's 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 a such a interesting game that he has offensively because, like he told us after the blue-white scrimmage, he's like, I, I know I'm not the fastest guy from end to end, so I've got to figure out like how to attack offensively. I got to pick my spots. I've got to be agile, um, be able to change and stop direct, um, change direction and stop and go. Like, Dude, his arms are so long. Yeah, like his, his like scoop, scooping his layups and stuff. Scoop layup, oh my gosh, scoop layup is friggin' fun to watch. Yeah. Um, well, last night in the early in the first quarter, he I thought he was gonna scoop the layup and he whipped it around to Steven on the back yeah. side, and yeah. I'm just like, that is, there's like. 10 guys in the league who can make that pass just because their arms aren't long enough. And Shea is one of those guys who can. Yeah, and for those that Sam are... Sam Presti and his length. <laughs> Sam Presti and his length. And this guy could actually shoot, though. No, shocker. Um, for those that are a little worried about his assist numbers being low, I mean, just keep... He's not playing point guard. He's not playing point guard. Is he, has he played a... Seriously, has he played a minute without Dennis or Chris Paul on the floor? No, he hasn't done that yet. But so, he, I, he's played point guard... Um, with one of those guys on the floor, and like the biggest example for me is the uh, comeback against Washington. Like he led that charge, sure. And even after that timeout, when they tied it at eighty-three, he was still bringing the ball up the floor. But like we said, this is a young team in crunch time. I just don't know if that's his battle. role right now. Are, are there people freaking out about his assist numbers that not know that? Um, I've seen some people talk about it on Twitter because I think we're, we're also accustomed to like, because Thunder fans especially. Um, they started off this franchise with a point guard who was referred to as a ball hog. And he was a guy that would average six, seven assists a game, like in his first few years as a point guard. And then I think, I feel like the fan base really clinged on to the fact that, okay, now he's got double digits assists. See, he's not a ball hog. Well, just because somebody has 10 assists doesn't necessarily mean that they're spreading the ball around. And I think that you've seen in just four games, wow, the Thunder are passing the ball a lot. It's very noticeable. Yeah, and there's an easy reason why that's the case. Um, I feel like fans are still in that same mentality, like that same mindset of like, oh, he only has like he's only averaging like two or three or four assists a game. Like that's not good, right? He's yeah. not passing the ball around. It's like no one that's not his role, like you said. Number two, assist numbers do not equate passing the ball around or moving the ball. Like, yeah, it's sometimes it's just the simple fact of are your guys hitting shots, and sometimes it's just. You're out there. You're a point guard, but you you're not handling the offense. Right. Uh, any uh, fears about what the offense has looked like so far? We thought we were going to get a whole lot of ball movement. I think the last two games it's looked better, but I don't know if I've really walked away going, "Oh, this offense is totally different." Yet. I think in the first half last night it looked incredible. I think that was about as good as you can probably think that the offense. I see. Will look. I couldn't decide, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I could because I, I I was like, wow, they are really firing on all cylinders. And I was like, wait, is this because Houston sucks on defense? I can't. Like, I it, it was. I was really struggling yeah, trying to I mean, divulge. But like, more than half the league sucks on defense. Golden State also sucks on Golden. Defense. St- oh my god. Yeah, they're bad. I. Mm. It's almost like D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry starting in a backcourt together wasn't going to work. You, Defensively, at you least. You tell me, Glenn Robinson the third in a defensive stop, bro. <laughs> When they started that game, I said, I'm sorry, Glenn Robinson starts? I, I just assumed it was Alec Burks, and I don't know why. It, it was so funny because um, you know how the whole offseason has been about Oklahoma City's defense not um, playing the bigs up high. They're just dropping them back. like They're dropping Stephen yeah. Adams in coverage. Um, now against Golden State, because it's Steph Curry – because it's like they will probably literally only do this to Steph Curry and maybe Trey Young if he like the second that Damian, they play. Damian, yeah, Damian Lillard. Yeah, Damian Lillard on Wednesday. They might only do it for just a select few guards in the league. Um, but against Golden State, they had Steve Nance blitz up high because they just did not care about Glenn Robinson the third. They did not care about DeAndre Russell in the corner by himself. Damian Lee, whoever it was, they yeah. didn't care. Like, go ahead. Um, if someone gets into the paint, the uh, backside help will come over and leave their man in the corner. We don't care. Draymond. Shoot that brick. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Uh, all right. So the offense, I think, will continue to get a little bit better. Uh, but, you know, I think some of it, too, is 
They have Dennis Schroeder running a lot. Right now, he's I mean, he's second in the team in minutes played. Dennis Schroeder is second. I, I, I don't know what your over-under of that happening was, but it was very low for me. I didn't think Dennis was going to be – it was going to be Shea Gildas-Alexander at 35 minutes, and then the next closest guy is Dennis at 29. Did you, Who did you think was going to play more? Gallinari, Adams. I See, I – I went into the season thinking Gallinari and Chris Paul were going to play around even maybe even just under the 30 minute mark. Just from the See, I thought they were going to I'm shocked they had neither one of them sat yet. I thought they were going to play 32 to 34 minutes but sit every back to back. Oh yeah. Every other road game. Well, like, this early in the year, like if the Thunder like went into the Houston game last night and said we're going to sit Chris Paul or Danilo Gallinari, that would be such a red flag, I feel like, to opposing teams like that they're trying to trade these guys to because it's like, oh, so we already think that they're injury risks. We already think that like there's a risk involved for potentially trading for this guy. But you also believe it too because you're sitting their ass not even a week into the season. I guess. I, I, feel, I feel like the load management, I think, comes into play a little bit further into the season. Okay. Maybe after some like – some contusions here and there, maybe a little ankle Speaking sprain of. in there. Yeah, Stephen Adams. So I guess we can excuse his uh, lackluster. Play. Can we? No, I'm not. Okay, glad glad I, we're in the same boat there. Yeah, I uh, I dogged him on the pod last night. So hopefully Thunder fans aren't too mad at me. But I mean, do you know his per right now? I know per is a silly thing to look at four games in. But, but I'm only bringing it, this up because it's so comical. Because <laughs> per is only good when it proves your argument. Yeah, and I'm only, <laughs> and I'm only bringing it up because this is just a really funny. What is it? Number. Eight. <laughs> For comparison, what? Shea's what? 24, Danilo's 23, Dennis Schroeder's 19. Uh, I mean... What's Hamadou Diallo's? Hamadou Diallo. <laughs> uh, he's at 12. Goodness gracious, Steven. Uh, well, it's only be outdone by Terrence Ferguson, who's at six, oh. who we need to talk about as well, and Darius Baisley, who I've, I actually thought has played relatively well this year. His PER is at four. He's played well, but he's also not really done that much. You know, he doesn't get a lot of opportunities I guess the, on offense. I play well, I mean, he just hasn't screwed anything up yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I really he, thought there was going to be some times where I'm like, oh, man, Darius had, is really causing some mishaps. See, like, there was a really good example about Darius Baisley's rookie year, I feel like, going forward last night. He took the ball to the rim. Like, there was, I think, three or four seconds of shot clock left, so he kind of got put into a bad spot in the corner, and he um, got around his man and got a charge, but while he was getting a charge, he was throwing a really sweet behind-the-look behind Oh, the yes! I talked about that last time in the post To Nerlens Noel, which if he didn't Not get behind the, charge, the back, behind his head. Yeah, behind his head. Looked like Joe Perry from Aerosmith playing his guitar over his head. He it didn't it. look anything like that. <laughs> it, uh, if he didn't get the charge, it would have been a cool play. So basically, even when he makes mistakes, most of the time he's making the right play, which is another good foundational asset that he has. That these he's going to make a lot of mistakes, but it's for a bigger purpose. Can you and I both agree he probably should have thrown it behind his head? N- yeah. The pass was going to the right place, but yeah, probably should have thrown it behind his head. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even earlier in the game, he kind of had the ball in the same spot in the similar shot clock um, situation, I, I believe, in the first half, and he got around. I think it was Russell Westbrook. Got around Russell Westbrook. And the uh, I think Clint Capella came over to help, and he threw a wraparound pass to Nerlens Noel. I think it was Nerlens Noel for the dunk. And it's like, dude, the vision, like the vision on this team, the potential for like good court vision on this team is pretty high. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think passing is like kind of what I talked about a little there bit. There it is. Yeah. There's the Darius Baisley behind the head pass. Uh, what I talked about a little bit with this team is it seems like they're trying to make a transition, and before it was. We want athleticism. We want guys who can attack the rim. We want guys who can jump high. And while I still think those are key points, I think the number one priority for this team might be in this. You can look into this however you want to. And whatever conclusion you're about to think of, surely he's not saying that. That's exactly what I'm saying. (laughs) Basketball IQ now, I feel like, is the number one thing. Yeah. And I think because they've been down a road before and they've been beating their head against the wall a little bit, where now suddenly they go, okay, we want guys who can jump high. And we want guys who have long arms, and we want guys who can be good defenders. But offensively, I think our number one priority is we want guys who can not only score but can also pass, and not not only make a good pass but make the right pass and a great pass. Yeah, I mean, and that's the mold of Shea Gillis Alexander, and that's the mold of Darius Baisley. And I've said this, and I don't know if you disagree with it. I don't know if either one of those guys are ever going to average twenty-eight points a game, no, or thirty points a game. And I think their ceiling is somewhere. Both of them. Are somewhere between twenty-one and twenty-five, averaging 
nine assists. And I think they're going to make huge impacts on games, yeah. but maybe not stuffing a stat sheet. And I think that's where the foundational change for the Thunder team might be. And we'll see the biggest, if I'm right or wrong, in this upcoming draft based off what kind of guy they take. That'll be the biggest change when we see, okay, what are they trying to target now? Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see guys who maybe aren't stat fillers but are massive playmakers on the court. Yeah, and, th- and that's not to poo-poo on the, th- the Thunder's past stars like Russell. No, and, and they had a ton of success yeah, that way. They, they, they were... They should have won a title. Like, like, like I have my own opinions about the 2013 playoffs when Russell got hurt, but they were probably at least guaranteed another finals run sure. that year. Um, 2016, um, how that ended, I mean, the Thunder choked away a, a title. Like, if they get past the Warriors, they probably beat Cleveland because Cleveland only beat Golden State because Draymond Green punched way too many testicles. Way and too the, many And te- the NBA just couldn't take it anymore. Well, punched and kicked. Punched and kicked and uh, clawed and scratched and yeah. grabbed probably. Big testicle guy, um, Draymond Green. Golden State, Oklahoma City with the testicles, man. It's a thing. Stop this nonsense. We need to. Every player should be required to wear cups in the Golden State-Oklahoma City games going forward. Shout out to Gabe Eichert who got that really cool picture of uh, when Terrence Ferguson was on the floor and like in writhing in terrible pain. Uh, Steven Abs is like on one knee and just going like, been, him, like been, been there, mate. We've done this. <laughs> I've been there. I'm gonna need you to breathe. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> they're they're both still there. I promise. Yeah. Um. No, I, I think you're. But I think you're on to something. Um. I feel like, of course, if if any of these future draft picks turns into like a another MVP, like if Presti drafts another MVP that can average 28 points per game, that'll certainly help. And especially if he's surrounded by guys that yeah, no one's gonna complain. Yeah, about that. Especially if he's surrounded by guys like SGA, Darius Baisley, that can compliment him well by giving him the ball, putting that person in, into good spots. But even even if they don't draft another MVP, if they just draft a guy like in between where Darius Baisley's potential is and where we where we know SGA is right now, they draft a guy in between that, they're right on track to have a team that plays good team basketball. Yeah. And that will put you into that will put you into the category of being like the Spurs. And what do we say about the Spurs? They're always going to beat bad teams. They're always going to beat teams that don't play good team basketball because they are disciplined and they play right. their system correctly. So if you're at least in that position, you're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, so I actually I have been very critical on Sam Presti of not only anticipating where the league's going, but doing the opposite, being a year or yep. two years behind. You're right, too. Um, I think Sam Presti now might be making – and again, I'm, I'm really looking forward on a very long-term vision based off what we've seen it's for gonna, the past three it's months. It's going to go to ISO ball. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, no, no. The exact opposite. I mean, the past few years, it's been how many stars can I get on a team, how many guys – I mean, there's only so many shots. So we're going to have these two guys who take 30 shots a game, and then we're going to have all these other foundational pieces who, who take two. Yeah. But they all fill roles. I think, I think Sam Presti is in, will there always be stars on teams and players who are more important than others? Absolutely. But I think offensively, maybe Sam Presti is hedging his bets that we're going to be going a little bit more towards all five guys on the floor are all going to shoot roughly the same amount. Yeah. They're all going to be involved roughly the same amount and you can't guard everybody. Yeah. But a a little bit more of a pick your poison offense of everyone on this floor can do something and everyone on this floor is little is good at a little bit of everything. Yeah. Maybe we don't have a true superstar who's filling it up. And maybe that's where he sees the league going. And just based off this summer, there's might be a little bit of truth to that because the star the star pool was collected in like these two or three teams. And now while it's on five or six teams and all those teams happen to be on coasts, uh, but <laughs> you know, but it's spread out a little bit more and I think he's gonna continue to do that. And then if you're also trying to be active in the free agent market and the trade market or get a player who you trade for to sign an extension it's a little bit easier to convince someone to do that if they feel like not only are they the best player on the team, but they're also surrounded by an incredible plethora of guys who just build them up, i.e. the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that was some of the Clippers' standpoint. It's like, we're a great team. We have a really good team. You're going to come here and be our clear number one guy, but everyone around you from 2 to 15 are good NBA players. And like that's some of the draw. And I think Oklahoma City on some level is trying to build themselves toward that point where they're just... Everyone we have can do everything. Now, do we have a true number one superstar? I don't know. We won't know until they start making those draft picks. Yeah. But I think that's kind of the direction. Well, I think a lot of that is coming from the fact that he Presti doesn't necessarily have a star just now or just yet that he has to appease. Because sure. what you said earlier about, okay, I, I, we just need to get stars. Most of that was just trying to appease Russell Westbrook. How you get stars to stay in small markets is surrounding them with yeah, guys. Yeah, the Carmelo Anthony trade now in hindsight, I mean, that – 
Does that does that scream anything else but that? No. I mean, and it was the right decision at the time. It was. I'm not discrediting this. I'm just saying but that was clearly what that decision yeah. was. Well, I mean, you can eat, you could eat if you wanted to, and it's silly, and I hate bringing up the James Harden trade. Um, oh, uh, you a few days a, a few days after the seven year anniversary that OU lost to Notre Dame. Um, I hate bringing it up, but I wonder if that was probably in Presti's mind at the time that he wanted to have a bunch of guys that could perform you know, roles outside of just Kevin. Because at the time, it was like Kevin Durant is clearly our best player. Russ Westbrook is our number two, but he's like growing. He's not a guy, like maybe we can coach the inefficiency out of him. Let's keep Serge Ibaka because James Harden is just another, he's just another Kevin Durant and another Russell Westbrook. We can do without that. If we trade him, trade him to get like X amount of players that can perform roles. For in Sam Presti's case, it just didn't work because it turned into the Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook show, and then maybe Serge Ibaka gets a few shots here. Maybe Stephen Adams. Maybe Serge gets two shots in the first quarter and two shots at you yeah, know. and then maybe Dion Waiters as the sixth man right know, gets an opportunity here and there. But now, like it's just there's more of a foundation. It's it's I feel like it's more even because Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant as a rookie. Russell Westbrook was exciting as a rookie. He didn't really blow up until his end of his second year third year because that f- i mean the lakers that first year people thought he the the lakers the, the, the lakers playoffs like no matter how bad somebody played everybody was just excited yeah um the third year is when they got to the western conference finals against dallas and russell got benched um in i believe game three in oklahoma city yeah um might have been game two. Shout out Eric no, Manor. it was game two because it was the game that they won. Shout out Eric Maynard. Yeah, Eric Maynard finished the game off. Yeah, because I remember everyone saying that Eric Maynard should be the starting point guard going forward. Yeah. So, and then he was out of the league in like four years. So there was a period of time that Russell wasn't Russell just yet. He was exciting and he could help you win games because he was such an athletic dynamo. But he wasn't to the po- he wasn't to that point yet. So I feel like that the roster, like the guys that are going to be a part of the future more than likely, I feel like it's much more evenly balanced now. It's not just, okay – Kevin Durant or SGA is clearly the best player on this team. Sure. By far, he's a he's an MVP candidate right now. He's a scoring champion right now. So we've got to build around that and appease him. So I feel like that the appeasement factor is out the window, at least for now. That could change in a few months because SGA could blow up into something. Uh, can we talk about my favorite player on the roster right now? Please. And I'm not even being facetious. Is it Abdul Nader? It is not. <laughs> I appreciate the thought. Abdul Nader is PER point oh eight point zero eight. You got his. you got that, Stephen. He's got ten minutes, so he's only played ten minutes. So take it for what you will. I think two of those. Uh, I think one of those minutes was um, okay. Like we need to have a shooter on the floor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's Hamadou Diallo. I you love Hamid. You brought him up a little bit earlier. I was like, oh man, I hope he doesn't go too far into this because this is the guy like I really want to talk about. Good at the tail. He has been awesome. He's been exciting. Yes. He's, he's been so good defensively uh, that I was not prepared for. He's been everything that people want Terrence Ferguson to be. He's the most improved player on the team. And it's not even close. And that includes like guys that weren't on the team last year. Like Gallinari has been basically the same player that he was last year. Chris Paul has been a disappointment. If you want to make the case that Shea has made a big improvements, Shea like Shea is just he just has a more he has a bigger role than he did. With sure. The Clippers. And so that was going to be my point. I don't yeah. know how much you can differentiate the fact that he was the fifth highest shot taker on the Clippers, and now he's the number one highest shot taker on a team. So yeah. how, where do you – that dichotomy between improvement and just a situation. Diallo is, I mean, leaps and bounds. And the kid's 21. And I, as a Thunder fan, I'm sure you're probably a little sick to your stomach because the guy's only got this year and next year left on a minimum contract deal, and then he's a, he's a free agent. And he just looks so good and so natural in the NBA right now. And – his shot making, his outside shooting is what everyone is going to criticize on him, and I totally get it. I think his form looks drastically better. And while the shots maybe aren't going in at a high enough rate to make it "quote unquote" effective, yeah, you can tell that dude had put in the work this summer. He, yeah, he definitely did. Um, and it's interesting because I thought during summer league he was basically kind of neutral to me. Like he he didn't look terrible. He didn't look like he um, regressed. He also didn't really look like that he progressed that much, and because I think m- most of it was just because I was looking at it from the shot standpoint. Like the hitch is still there. Like he he's the type of player that will jump really high and then let go of the ball. Yeah, it's not a seamless like one motion. It's just he jumps, floats in the air, 
and then cocks back and shoots it. Yeah. But he can he can jump like through the gym, so it kind of doesn't matter. But the hitch is still there. Yeah. Um. But he's missing shots in a nice way. They're not Andre Robertson misses where like no. it, it's an adventure when the ball leaves his hands. Yeah. But um, what I wasn't really paying attention to, and it's because you can't really pay attention to this in summer league. It's just his ability to defend because he's getting fouls, but he's getting fouls like Terrence Ferguson did his rookie year. He's getting fouls like Andre Robertson did when he was a young player um, defending, you know, the opponent's best wing guy. He's getting good fouls that you can look at and say when he figures this out, when he just basically plays more and defends these guys a little bit more. He's not gonna. He's not gonna get those calls. Yeah. Like Terrence Ferguson would get called for two fouls in the first ten seconds of his rookie year when he was out there. Yeah, and while he still kind of has a foul problem, he does. He's not a. He's not a guy that you look forward to. Like, oh, he's gonna have like three he's fouls had, before the first half. He's ends. had three fouls in every single game so far. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, well, he's also just played bad. Yeah, he's uh, average eighteen minutes a game. So by my math, I'm going played, by last he, year defensively. His per thirty six, he'd foul out, right? Am yep. I doing my math? Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like Hami is. And you mentioned his his body control. And yeah. Last year, it felt like he was a little bit Too wild. Yeah, chaotic and rushed, and like he you just, were like he's it, trying to thrive off his athleticism, athleticism, because that's the only way that he was going to make an impact. Is that he's just an absolute freak of an athlete. Yeah, and now suddenly this year, he just feels like he just feels like he knows what he's doing at all times, and like mm-hmm. offensively, he's decided what what he's going to do, and. He's going to, you know, execute to the best of his ability, and he's having a ton of success. And again, his numbers aren't mean twelve points, seven points, eight points, nine points. It's not like he's, you know, throwing up twenty five off the bench. And it's, but as you watch the games, it is so clear how much better he is this season than last season. Yeah, and he should never start unless he becomes like, unless he turns into like this version of James Harden. Well, he's shooting sixteen percent from the three point line this year, which is worse than I was anticipating when I looked it up. No, it's he's not a good shooter. But like, like, does it I feel s- like sixteen though? It feels like it's not sixteen. How many shots is he even like? Is well, it he seven. It, well, how about attempts? this? He's zero percent in three games, and then fifty percent in one. So ah, uh, there we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I I just O of one, O of one, one of two, O of two. Unless the team g- trades a ton of players and he has to start out of necessity, that's that's one thing. But um, I feel like what he brings is just life off the bench and there's value in that um there's just value in that on the roster and then like you kind of said like his contract is up but his contract is up during a time where steven adams comes off the books right yes same summer so that that could balance out in the thunder's favor where they could potentially give him significantly more money because if he makes if he progresses like he did just this offseason and keeps that up well i'm just saying i i'm sure there's some people who wish that maybe he would have got taken in the first round, so he would be on a four-year contract with some restricted free agency. Oh, I see, yeah, yeah, you know I see what, what you're saying. Because at least at that point, you're like, okay, that guy's a part of the team for at minimum, at minimum five years. Like, yeah. you know, that's that's, and now suddenly he's a little bit because he, you can just see it, and he's young yeah. and he's exciting. And people, when I, people talk about the future of the Thunder, they'll they'll say Shea Gildas Alexander, and they'll say Darius Baisley because he's a rookie. I feel like people just never mention Hami, and I've always mentioned Hami as as a well, like think, a foundational piece. I think, and I have been low on Terrence Ferguson all summer. I, I never mentioned Terrence. That's the thing. And I think people should be a whole lot higher on Hami right now than Terrence Ferguson. Mm-hmm. And now maybe Terrence turns around and he started off last year slow, and he looked pretty good against Golden State, and he looked pretty good against Houston. Um, but just as far as who I think has played better basketball without looking at the box score, actually just watching the game and just saying, okay, who's who's making a bigger impact on every single play? Yeah. I mean, it is light years in Hamidou Diallo's favor. Yeah. Light years. And I think he deserves a ton of credit. I think he's someone who the Thunder should try to see if they can get to stick around. And he's obviously he's great friends with Shea, and they played on the same college team together. And I don't know how much of an impact on uh, Hami's game Shea has had, but... You say that, but I, I remember thinking like, oh, getting DJ Augustine is very important because him and Kevin Durant were boys at uh, Texas. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little uh, – I, I, yeah, sorry. I maybe, But I'm just saying the fact that – I think that there's actually stuff there. Like they, Tommy's game now reflects a little bit more like Shea's, where yeah. offensively he's a little bit more patient, and it's way less about I'm faster than you and I can jump higher than you and a little bit more of 
I can do those things, and I'm also going to be great with my footwork, and I'm going to be patient when I'm going to the rim. Exactly. You know, and that like that just feels like oh, him and Shea have worked together on some level this summer because that's what Shea looks like all the time, and now Hami's starting to look like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, no, like um, like that's kind of the overall thing that we've talked about for this team moving forward is just everybody is playing like at least has the potential to play complementary basketball with one another. Like, there's a lot of guys on this team that they just fit seamlessly. Uh, around each other and they um, like I said the there's not a clear cut best player I mean it's it's Shea Gildas Alexander is the clear cut best player but he's not an MVP just yet he's not a scoring champion just yet so it's I feel like roster building is a little bit easier for Sam Presti moving forward than it was maybe when he was gifted Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and James Harden and they just all of a sudden became amazing like the Thunder, like, that was great for the fan base. That was great for the franchise. Um, and it put them in a position to win a title, but they had to win a title. Because yeah. if they didn't, then, like, obviously, like, we, we all have our takes about it. But um, it, it just, the margin for error was so slim because you had to not only build a roster of good players to help you win a team, you also had to build a roster of guys that Kevin and Russell liked. Kevin and Russell liked to play with. And,. Everybody doesn't like to play with everybody. Everybody doesn't like um, each other's personality. Right. You can't just bring in P.J. Tucker because you think P.J. Tucker is a good player. Maybe Russell Westbrook fucking hates P.J. Tucker. Well, speaking of their teammates now. They're teammates now, and they love each other. But, like, that's the point is um, Reggie Reggie, – I almost said Reggie Smith. Uh, Reggie Jackson – I thought you were going to say Reggie Evans for some reason. Like, man, when's the last time you want to talk about Reggie Evans? The not former – what was it, Edmund Santa Fe or – Edmund Santa Fe, Reggie Smith, that played for OU, but the official at the OU Kansas State game this past weekend, uh, and uh, not but, Reginald Jamal Evans. No, not not that one. But Reggie Jackson was a fine um, guy off the bench for the Thunder, but he just could not stand playing behind Russell Westbrook. So, you know, you you can have guys that have talent that should help your team be better, but it doesn't always work. But I, I feel like that. You've got a lot of good personalities on this team that want to play complementary basketball with one another, yeah. and I think it's easier to like pick and choose the pool of free agents, the pool of players that you trade for. Like they can obviously, they could easily come in here, and Shea will vibe with them, Hami will vibe with them, Steven will of course vibe with anybody. Yeah, except for um, maybe Draymond Green or Jonas Valanciunas, who he famously like. What did he say in the book? In his book about like trash talking. Like I Jonas, can't remember. Jonas Valanciunas like trash talk him, and then Steven just said, "Like you have bad breath or something." Or which is great trash talk. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Do you know what's the best trash talk? Not oh man, you're trash. Oh man, your jump shot's weak. You know, because they hear that all the time. The best trash talk is stuff like that, where you insult someone, and you make them and, think about it, and they have to think about it. Like wait a minute. And it's not basketball related. It's more like the <laughs> the human that they are. Now they're questioning their humanity. And wait, do I actually have breath and bad breath? And my wife has never told me. Oh my god, <laughs> I've been walking around for years making people think I'm disgusting. And I don't brush my teeth because I have breath. And now they're just you know imploding them. You themselves. got food between your teeth, man. As you're like running back on offense. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like, do you what? know what that guy's doing? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> god, doing that. They're no longer their game is their head is no longer in the game. Telling you what, that's the best way to trash talk. Got to go to the next level. Uh, breaking news here: Apparently, uh, Le'Veon Bell might get traded before the deadline this <laughs> afternoon. To who? I don't know. I don't know. The only trade I potential trade I care about is Trent Williams to the Browns. Not that it will necessarily. Make- a, so then Trent Williams can go be on another bad team. I've heard that over and over, but now if you're hope, it puts the Browns into the right direction of where they need to improve. Because if you get Trent Williams, you can draft. Like, if your primary focus is like... Cause you can draft another receiver. <laughs> Obviously, that's what Freddie Kitchens would do. Be the Sixers and draft another center. Or another punter with long hair. <laughs> uh, all right, so tankathon.com, which is a great website. I love tankathon.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, currently, if the season ended today, the Thunder would have the sixth pick in the NBA draft. If the lottery fell exactly as it should. By this metric, they'd be taking RJ Hampton from the New Zealand Breakers. Who didn't look very good. Did not look very good. Uh, from Little Elms, Texas, R.J. Hampton is a uh, 6'5 small forward, which feels a little small. 6'5 small forward uh, slash shooting guard. So there you go. There's your uh, Tankathon update of the day. Six pick for uh, for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Not bad. And then they have Chicago taking the uh, famous LaMelo ball in this one. You know, if they can get around the fifth pick, 
with the amount of trade or the amount of draft picks they have, I wonder if they could easily jump into a top three situation. Yeah, I if and first because it depends on who gets the top three. Like I don't if, know. if it's a team that doesn't need like a day one starter, like if they have, if they just need like depth, then you can probably easily seduce that franchise and like Ooh, here's seduce. Yeah, take the number five. The take number them out six, to dinner. Light take, a candle. Take the number six. Nice pick, bottle of wine. Number six pick. You buy the appetizer and the dessert. That's the move, though. Well, of course, you buy an app and a dessert. You're big time. No, you you send Stephen Adams to go do it, so you like have like four appetizers, then two. Full course meals who and on, then two desserts. Who on the Thunder takes out takes women out on the best dates? Women or men, whatever. Who who plans the best dates on this Thunder team? Because I have my answer. I think it's obvious. Mm, there's no nobody on the team is from France, right? No. Mike Muscala. Did you see his suit that he wore? I would say Mike. I did. Was, That's a strong suit. That was a strong suit. Like he walked out of the shower like without his blazer on. He just had like the vest, the pants, the button-up shirt under underneath. He walked out, and I'm like, "Is that somebody important? Like, is that an f- some team official? Oh, that's Mike Muscala. Never mind." <laughs> uh, and as so as I, w- I would say he'd probably take you out on the classy estate, just judging by his. I think wardrobe. it's Danilo Gallinari. Uh, he, damn it, he's from Italy. Exactly. I, it was, I think it's was Gallo. <laughs> I think it's Gallo. It's obvious because he's going to take you out on a great dinner. It's going to be good food. You're going to drink a little wine. And then I bet afterwards he do, like he's going to do something fun. He's going to like, oh, it's going to be wine and dine, wine and dine, wine and dine. And then it's like, oh, and then we're going to go do something fun together. I think he takes the best dates. Well, um, I did see him. I did see him lime scootering on 23rd Street. No he, way. Yeah, so it was it was during training camp because it was actually like the first time that we got a chance. How can he ride a – I can barely ride a no, lime scooter. It, it, it was It's funny. So like that day I believe was the first day that we actually got to talk to him in a scrum like since media day. So it was like day two or day three of training camp. So we talked to him earlier that day, and then I went and did work. Then I went to Big Truck Taco on 23rd. Okay. And I parked, and I get out of my car, and these two people are like lime scootering, and – the guy in front looks funny because he's just so tall. And then I look at him and it's Danilo Gallinari and it's so funny. And this is terrible on a podcast, but I'll just show you. Cause you know how, when we are on a scooter and we're like this, yeah, you know, my, like, my our, hands are down by my waist. Yeah. Cause you're, you're taller than I right. am. So like, you know, the handlebars are like either around your gut or like around your waist. His is like down to his knees and he's having to like kind of lean forward and scooter. So he looks like me riding like my little brother's razor scooter. Yeah, yeah. And he had, I believe, I, I don't believe he's married. I think it's his girlfriend. Um, he had his girlfriend right behind him. Bless Danilo's heart, though. He had jorts on, and that's all I could see. Like other than the fact that oh. he was super tall, he had the he had jorts on and strong look, not strong look. He's from Italy, so I feel like jorts are probably common in Italy. Yeah, I, that's just me assuming, which like is probably there's wrong. Ex- there's probably some exchange rate involved that I'm not aware of some cultural differences that I'll admit my ignorance to yeah. but um, it was just it was glaring I'll just say okay okay well Danilo Gallinari lime scootering on 23rd street everybody make sure you get <laughs> maybe where was he going did you see where he go he, he went he was half of me thinks he was probably going to big truck tacos because there's someone from out of someone from here was like hey where should I go eat well the road that goes north and south that cuts across 23rd that is like the corner where um, Big Truck Taco is, mm-hmm. he was going north and he just cut across Twenty Third. I, th- I think oh, okay. is it the same? Sh- is that on the same street that the pump is on? I- Ooh, I don't think so. I think the, the pump is one block further. He was to the going. East. He was going. He was just kind of. He was just scootering around. Basically. <laughs> Maybe he was just checking out the city. And he's like, well, "What's the city have to offer?" He, you know, and then he, he, and then he got past Twenty Third Street. He might have gone all, if he'd gone all the way up to Thirty Six. He might have seen like Iron Star, and then he's like, okay, "Yeah." That's so it. Big Truck Tacos is on Dewey. Uh, the pump is on. Shout out Ch- Chase Dewey. Shout out Chase Dewey <laughs> is on Walker, which is one block to the east. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you think he was like, hey, do you got? I have my girlfriends here. This is my first day in Oklahoma City. Where are the gondolas? And they're like, oh, we don't have that. We have Lime Scooters out on 23rd Street. We've got Lime Scooters. Well, they have like a – what do they have in Bricktown? Those big river boats? River boat. <laughs> Gun go river boat gamble. <laughs> Has anyone done the river boat thing recently? I, I've i never been on that. I've never been on it. I haven't been on it in a few years. And last time I was on it, they were like, oh, we're building all this stuff out here. And so like – we are on the riverboat. First off, go do it. Go support Oklahoma City, but I'm about to rag on it real hard. <laughs> um, I love Oklahoma City. But we get to this riverboat, and then like we go through Bricktown. They're telling us about these buildings. There's this little statue. Mm. And then they were like, 
See, and then we're so we're just driving down this river, and there's nothing on either side, just nothing. Yeah. And they go, "This is where we're gonna put this, and this is where we're gonna put this." And so, it, like, thirty minutes of us was telling them, telling us of where things were eventually gonna go that weren't there now, and we're just looking at weeds. Mm-hmm. I felt a little shamped on the riverboat when I went on it. Maybe it's better now. Obviously, a lot of stuff has been built, like the the water park complex down by the riverboats or the river. Boathouses hadn't been built when I did that, so maybe yeah. maybe that's a little better now. Yeah, uh, Bricktown is it's much better than when I was in high school. Yeah, I would also say if you're looking to hang out, because we have some people who aren't from Oklahoma. If someone was coming to Oklahoma and they're looking, not looking to like, oh, go out and like one a.m. have a great time. That's sadly your options are few and far between, and Bricktown is only one of the only ones. But more of like, if you're just gonna go like have an afternoon, pony boy, maybe grab some dinner. Bricktown is like the last place I would tell someone to go. Yeah, just from a parking standpoint, um, a police presence standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you're just like going to go like have a good afternoon, grab some dinner, maybe grab a few drinks afterwards. Again, I think like the Plaza, Twenty like, Third Street, I like Paseo. Like I told them all to go to those places before I told them to go to Bricktown. What's that? I can't, I can't remember what it's called. It's on Sheridan. It's like three stories high. It's a tap Tapworks. Tapworks, right? Oh yeah, in Bricktown. Yeah. I like that place because I've been there a few times. That's that's that can be a fun place because it's usually packed and you know everybody's yeah. usually in a good mood there. Um, but yeah, like most of the places I go to, like when I go out in Oklahoma City, Twenty Third, the Plaza, um, Paseo District. If I'm feeling a little uppity, because that's a little bit more expensive. Not a lot, but a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I've I've only really eaten lunch there. Yeah, I've never really. I, are there bars on in the Paseo? Mm-hmm. Oh, a couple. Shit, I don't know the damn thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On this, I'm showing my Norman residency. On the Look podcast. at you. Yeah, you're Normandy. Man, it's such a hard town to be like in your late 20s in. It sounds but like just, you should move. Just well, I mean, uh, <laughs> need a, <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I feel like I hit a heartstring right there. I'm sorry, I didn't know. All right, I think now that we've talked about the uh, the eating accommodations in Oklahoma City, I think we've done everything we need to do. Actually, really quick. Holy let's, hell! Let's talk about the three guard lineup. Oh, I hate it. Because, because uh, is I, there anybody? Are there people out there defending it? Again, you have a better pulse of like Thunder Twitter as a whole than I do. Are there people out there who are like, hey, I know this; these numbers are horrible for three guard lineup, but I'm really seeing something. Because in my head, I was watching the game. I go, this looks horrendous, and then I check the numbers. I go, okay, so it is horrendous. Yeah. Um, I people are half like pointing out that the three guard lineup isn't particularly fun to watch, and then the other half are pointing out. Shea Gildas or Shea Gildas Alexander's numbers and like going, he doesn't need to not have the ball, right? Like, and that's what happens when the three when three of the guards are out there. Shea is basically relegated to being a, a three, and so he's not going to touch the ball as much. It's going to be either Chris Paul or Dennis Schroeder attacking and then dishing out to maybe Shea Gildas Alexander. Um, no, I, I don't like it, and I also don't even like it from the standpoint of and we talked about this before we recorded. Um, if Chris Paul was on a cheaper contract and he was a part of the future, like if, if if it was basically out there that the Thunder were not planning on trading him, then sure, run the three-guard lineup out there because at some point these guys all have to learn how to play with each other at a high level because they're three of your best players, so you're going to close a lot of games with your best players on the floor, right? So that makes sense. But Chris Paul isn't a part of the future. Sure. Even like Dennis Schroeder might even get traded before Chris Paul because he's playing his trade values through the fucking roof right now so <laughs> i made a joke last night that do you during the second half i said do you think sam Presti's on the phone with gms right now <laughs> like right this second yeah so like, hey philly i know you've got a bad bench yeah so so the mentality of well they need to figure it out for like the end of the season when like games like really count we're trying to fight for play the playoffs like are you fighting for the playoffs a and b are these guys going to be here so to me it just takes opportunities away from shea gildas alexander and then i asked billy donovan about it last week at practice and he said that he sees it mainly as an opportunity for shea gildas alexander to learn to develop other aspects of his game he did that exact same thing last year as a rookie with the clippers where he didn't really touch the ball that much. He was the third, fourth, or fifth option some nights. Sure. Um, so it's not ne- it's not something he necessarily needs to work on over and over and over again. He's a good enough player that he can work on work on them situationally. And then also, if that's all he does, he's going to learn bad habits. 
And then once it is his turn to be the guy for Oklahoma City, maybe those bad habits just take over to such a point that that's what he is now. So I feel like there's a lot of negative in the short term and in the long term potentially with a three-guard lineup. I don't like it. I just don't like it. I'm not necessarily as worried. Your habits argument is a valid one. What what I'm more concerned about is the fact that in those moments, Shea has gotten some of the shots, but he hasn't been in control of initiating the offense on every single crucial. And they've had four games where the fourth quarter, last four minutes of the fourth quarter have been crucial. He hasn't gotten every single rep. And I think Shea should be getting every single rep in the fourth quarter right now. Maybe not being the guy to take the shot, but the guy to bring the ball up, be the guy to start the offense and try to find the shot if it's for him or someone else. And he just hasn't gotten that chance. Yeah, I mean, those chances will come. I just hope that it's not at the expense of, like, wasting valuable development time that he could have otherwise used, like, learning how to initiate the offense, learning how to... uh, And, like I said, like, after that timeout when they tied it at 83, he was running the ball up the floor. So, Billy at least put him in a position that, you got us here, now take us home. He just didn't do it. Um, He's young. That's going to happen. Um, I just hope that there aren't future opportunities where, okay, Shea should be touching the ball now. He's on fire. He needs to learn how to win this game, and instead we're watching Chris Paul isolation dribble. You don't like Chris Paul isolation dribble? Nope. Okay, fair enough. All right, is that all you want to get into? Yeah. Defensively, by the way, that lineup is not good. No. Not good. 106? Is it 106D rating? (laughs) Yeah, I think it's 106.5. It's not good. (laughs) Not good. On a pretty good defensive team. That's like Golden State Warriors bet. Yeah, like the, the Thunder's defense is pretty pretty darn good. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Except for when all three of them are out there, and it makes sense because Chris Paul is, he's a pesky defender. But He's, what, not, he's but what, not near the defender he was. But what that means ago. is just he's good at pickpocketing passes, like straight up one-on-one when he's not able to get a steal. He's not, he's undersized. Dennis Schroeder, also undersized. Like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It does not make a lot of sense. All right, uh, that's going to do it for the OKC A2 podcast. Uh, Brady Trantham, Brady does sports on Twitter, Chisholm Holland at Chisholm Holland. Uh, you guys will have a post-game show in a tomorrow. Are uh, we doing it tomorrow? Madison and I, or who's doing the post-game show tomorrow? I think it's me and Aaron. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I will. I'm planning on it being me and Aaron. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's me and Aaron tomorrow. Um, but uh, yeah, so you'll have a uh, post-game podcast. Uh, that'll come out at the end of the game tomorrow night uh, when Portland comes to Oklahoma City. And you and I will get together next week. Yes, sir. All right, man. Until next time. Listen to Chisholm Holland weekdays from 6 to 8 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise in Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Chisholm Holland. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.